With a frank assessment about who has it all together, here's Pastor Ed Ray. Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners, but Paul is dead now, so I hold the title. <laughs> it's important for you and I to get a hold of that and own it. It keeps us from becoming Pharisees, better than thinking we've got it all together when we don't. None of us have arrived. We don't arrive till we get to the front gate. When we take our last breath, by God's grace, we'll be there, but it's by His grace. It's not by our great performance. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your the amazing grace of Jesus, our great high priest, is not an excuse to sin. It's the remedy. But it does raise a few questions. How do we deal with sin or respond to failure? How do we mature and keep maturing? Well, we'll get some answers today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Those answers are found in Hebrews chapter 5. A scripture that not only tells us about one who understands our struggles, but can help us grow. And that's Jesus, of course, and it's what makes him a better high priest. Hebrews 5.1, the whole chapter for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is chosen or called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayer and supplication, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say. It's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are at full age, mature, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let's stop there and pray. Thank you, Lord, that your word is for us. So give us ears to hear and desire to know you better. Speak to us now from it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about milk this morning, so it reminded me of cows. Of course, that makes... Then I got why, because there was an advertising campaign, you know, 20 years ago, but it was hilarious, and it goes on sometimes to this day. 
Milk for babies. We're talking about maturity, coming to mature progress as believers. Reading about a famous cellist, his name was Pablo Castles, and it was his 95th birthday, and he was being interviewed by a music magazine reporter. And he asked, quote, Mr. Castles, you are 95 and the greatest cellist that has ever lived. Why do you still practice six hours a day? Mr. Castles answered, because I think I'm making progress. But that's an encouragement for you and I as we are still studying God's Word. For some of us, it's been a long time. The goal is to keep growing, maturing, progressing in Christ. So the last part of this chapter deals with that area especially. Do you remember Peter Pan? You know, as a kid, that this is the original 1911 shot of the play that was written by a guy named Barr. The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up was the title of the original play. It was a fairy play about an ageless boy and a normal girl named Wendy, you'll remember. And what was unique about Peter Pan was that he didn't ever want to grow up. He wanted to remain a boy forever. Now, as attractive as that may sound for uh, many of us who have been tempted to think that, I wish I wasn't an adult in those days when we didn't have any responsibility. Do you remember? When the worst thing that could happen is your father could fire up the seat of learning. But there are problems with that attitude of remaining immature, especially in the area of spiritual life, of growing in the kingdom of God. Many people seem to suffer in the church with the Peter Pan syndrome, that somebody called it, when it comes to spiritual matters. They really don't want too much religion in their life, you know, just a little. We can sneak in maybe a, a day, a week. We'd like it to be less than an hour. We'd like it to be in a very convenient location with proper air conditioning and seats that tilt back. And anything more than that, you're, you're talking about fanaticism. You know, you really get too excited about God, the next thing you know, you might be thinking about him all the time. Wow, what a terrible idea. So the book of Hebrews is written to a group of people who had been raised in the Jewish culture who were struggling with their new relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it was a difficult time to live. This is about 68 AD. They are living in the outskirts of Rome. Nero is the emperor and he is persecuting Christians. So they're Jews who became Christians. And they grew up in the era of the temple was still in Jerusalem. It would be two more years before Titus would come and destroy it. There was still a high priest. There were morning and evening sacrifices at 9 o'clock in the morning, 3 in the afternoon. Yom Kippur, all the various feasts were still going on. And suddenly there's persecution to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Messiah, and they're thinking, mm, you know what, it would sure be easy just to go back to being a Jew and everybody would leave us alone. We'd go to the synagogue instead of the church, and there would be no people following us around ready to arrest us for refusing to worship Caesar. Well, this group of people were drifting, we saw, that they begin to ignore their faith in Christ. And the writer, we're not sure who it is, he writes like the Apostle Paul, but there's been disagreement because no one signed this letter. But the writer of the letter of Hebrews is writing them to encourage them to come back. Don't be spiritual babes, as it says at the end of this chapter, but to mature and follow the Lord. So there's a danger to them of going deeper 
but that's what God is calling them to do. It's gone on for centuries, for millennia, that in fact, when it wasn't the Romans, it was the Huns. When it wasn't the Huns, it was the communists. When it wasn't the communists, it was fill in the blank. It goes on to this day. This section breaks up into two parts. It's actually the whole chapter. The first 10 verses are about high priests, not a subject that we know a lot about, as at least most of us are Gentiles in this room, and none of us have lived under the system of the old covenant the way that they did then with the temple and high priest, etc. It's going to be discussed a lot in the next four chapters are going to be very much about high priests and this concept. And so we're going to go quickly through the first 10 verses, and then we'll get to the milk, this concept of immaturity versus solid food. So here we are, starting in verse 1, fasten your seatbelts. We'll go kind of quickly through a very deep area in the sense of being difficult to understand. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed or approved by God for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Okay, so the subject is something we know very little about, but to them, the high priest that was appointed for life, but they were always older men, so it tended to flip over rather quickly. So they had probably seen many high priests during their time. He was appointed to men. God didn't need him, but God had them appointed so that they would serve people. Now, Jesus would become the ultimate high priest. That's where this is going. So this section is about Jesus is better than high priests. But here he's just describing what the high priest was for. So he was appointed to perform certain duties and intercede for men. Bridge builder. But the high priest had the special job of overseeing all the sacrifices. That's what he's saying here. The gift sacrifices, those were peace offerings and meal offerings to bring a person into fellowship with God, and then sacrifices that were around animal sacrifices, something that is very unpopular today, the subject of an animal dying in our place. But that was a picture of God himself coming and dying in our place in the great exchange, his life for mine, for yours. So first he was taken, taken from among men, just a normal human being, and ordained for men, to God. Secondly, he was to be sympathetic or compassionate. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Now, this is not something we would normally think about as a requirement, but they understood it, that the high priest was to have compassion on people because he also was a human being. What's this saying? He was a sinner that he knew he was guilty of sin, so he should be understanding to people who also struggled with sin, which would be the whole human race. Fascinating insights on a familiar office Pastor Ed Ray is highlighting on today's Grow in Grace. With more insight on the high priest and how Jesus is better, along with application for us today, here again is Pastor Ed. Now here's how it gets a little more personal. In the New Testament, Jesus is the ultimate high priest, and you are part of the priesthood. You see, there's no longer a clergy. Peter said you are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. You are part of God's holy priesthood. You're a priest. 
you don't need anyone else to go between you and God. You get to go directly because that's what the word priest means, a bridge. You are the bridge to Jesus, and he's the ultimate high priest. That's the picture here. Now, you, believer, are to be compassionate to people who are ignorant and going astray. You could read atheist or unsaved person who's never been to church like two guys that showed up last night. One of them had never been in a church before, and he got saved last night, who are ignorant. And yeah, thank you, Lord. Completely ignorant of spiritual things. He'd never read the Bible, never heard a sermon before. Ignorant and going astray. That's a person who knows probably, but is going off the path. That's the picture here. But the high priest is to be compassionate. You are to be compassionate. I'm looking down your nose. Now, when you read the New Testament, the Gospels, Jesus finds the priest very offensive because they're better than. They're, they're acting so holy. You are a sinner saved by grace. I am a sinner saved by grace. Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners. But Paul is dead now, so I hold the title. It's important for you and I to get a hold of that and own it. It keeps us from becoming Pharisees, better than thinking we've got it all together when we don't. None of us have arrived. We don't arrive till we get to the front gate. When we take our last breath, by God's grace, we'll be there, but it's by His grace. It's not by our great performance, all right? So God is saying through this verse to you and I, we need to get used to talking to people who don't know Him and draw them in. That's our call on our life. You're an ambassador for Christ, child. You're called to give the gospel, and he'll keep hitting this in several different ways. So the high priest was to be compassionate, a gentle attitude to those who are off the track, going the wrong way, uh, the wandering, going astray. Another translation says, to deal gently with the people though they are going astray. That's our call. Instead of, you know, that finger pointing thing and looking down the nose at people, the opposite because he himself knows, understands, grasps that he is also subject to temptation, to weakness, to falling. There but the grace of God go every one of us. It's important to be sympathetic with human failures. I'm not saying excuse sin. That's not what he's saying. But when somebody comes and humbles themselves that I blew it again, I can't understand why God would ever take me to heaven. The right answer is, yeah, I don't know why he'd ever take me to heaven either, but it's grace. I don't earn it. You don't. You didn't deserve it. It just comes by God's grace, and you know that Jesus died for you. On the cross, he bled so that I could spend eternity with him. There it is, the gospel, simple and clear. So, taken from among men, ordained for men, sympathetic, have compassionate high priests offer sacrifices, verse 3. Because of this, he is required... As for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin. So in case you didn't get it in verse 2, you get it again in verse 3, that the high priest had to offer a sacrifice for himself first. So it's Yom Kippur, and you are the high priest, and you're going in to take the blood of the goat and put it on the mercy seat. Guess what? You stop at the altar first, and you offer a sacrifice for yourself. Why? Because the chief priest, the high priest, was a sinner, and he knew it. And he had to continually offer a sacrifice. We have Jesus, so we don't have to drag animals to church. 
So we don't have to bring a sheep or a goat or a cow or anything. Besides that, being messy and noisy, by the time we got to our car after the service, we'd have to come again and bring another one. We don't have to do that by the grace of God. So he offered atonement for his own sins, the priest. Leviticus 9.7. Moses said to Aaron, the first high priest, go to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burn offering and make it atonement for yourself and then for the people. There it is. That they were all waiting for the high priest and they'd all watch to see what he brought. <laughs> I'm teasing, but he, you know, if he brought 47 cows, you know it was a bad week. <laughs> Verse 4. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he was called by God just as Aaron was. Aaron's the first high priest. And he is called by God. Every other one has called, been called by God. You don't take it on yourself. You don't qualify yourself. You don't say, I'm going to be the chief priest. Somebody tried that. His name was Chorus in Numbers. Chapter 16, you can go read about it. And God showed him he was not the high priest. God chooses the high priest. He was called by God. Verse 5. So also, Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Now, this is better translated by the New Living Bible. Today I have become your father. Now, it's looking forward to that moment when Jesus was resurrected and Father God said, something's different now. You're going to keep the human body and you're going to rise up, spend time on planet Earth showing yourself to more than 500 people and then come to heaven with that human body that has been resurrected, the firstborn, the first of many children of God that will come that way someday. So Jesus didn't choose himself. Father God chose him to do that. This is Psalm 2, verse 7. Verse 6, as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to Melchizedek. Now, this is a, a big leap, not for those who were reading it, who understood. This is Psalm 110, verse 4 we read, but it is a, a verse that seems out of place. Melchizedek was a high priest who wasn't a Jew, and we're going to read about him. You can read about him in Genesis. He only appears twice in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 14. And here in Psalm 110, verse 4, his priesthood continues. And Jesus, it says, is part of his priesthood. You can read ahead. We'll be looking at his, that name over and over again in the next four chapters. So you'll get used to it. You can get a jump on it um, by reading this afternoon. You'll get mm, gold stars on your heaven chart if you do that. If you're visiting, I'm kidding. Okay, that is, you don't, nobody gets stars. You don't have a heaven chart. Verse, I don't? Why am I here? Verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, his, capital H, talking about Jesus, there was only one who was God who came in the flesh, who, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. This is an interesting verse. It's a controversial verse. It's a battleground for theologians and not for just normal folks. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings. Notice the word day is plural, days. Some teach this, that this is talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, one day or one evening. It is plural. It's talking about his life 
You remember 40 days in the wilderness with the devil. The point? The point is Jesus struggled with temptation just like you and I all of his life. We saw last time that he is a sympathetic high priest. He knows because he spent that time on planet Earth. And so he's acquainted with the pressures you were under last week. He understands and he has hope for all of us. So the prayer was heard and responded to verse 8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Better son though he was, yet he learned obedience from experience. This is not talking about Jesus somehow learning to move from disobedience to obedience. He has always been obedient. But this is talking about his time in the flesh, the verse before. He experienced, he lived in innocence, but when he came to the earth and took on a human body for the first time and felt the pressures you and I have, then he moved from innocence to virtue. Now, virtue and integrity are the result of a choice that comes in your life and in mine. And it's describing this obedience that came to Jesus as he walked through life, as difficult as it was. I was reading this week about a, a World War I hero. His name was York. He was a sergeant. And Alvin C. York, one day, he captured 132 enemy soldiers and would later be awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. So he was a big hero. They, were, they did a movie about him, several books written about him, but he himself was a, a very humble man. Later, after all this was done and everybody knew who he was, he was asked what was the secret of his integrity. He said, let me read you from my diary. This is three months before the event. I carried a New Testament with me. I have that testament still. I carried it with me during all the fighting. I read it through five times during my stay in the army. I read it everywhere. I read it in the dugouts, in foxholes, on the front line. It was my rock to cling to. I didn't do any cursing. No, not even on the front line. I cut all of that out long ago at the day I was saved. He lived the rest of his life a humble, submissive, obedient believer who was an elder in a small church. But he had discovered the importance of God's Word in his life, of applying it every day. What a great testimony. Sergeant York's reliance on the Word is key to making the right choices. We learn more on the role of the Word next time on Grow in Grace as Pastor Ed Ray continues our series in Hebrews. If you missed a portion of today's study, simply go online to thepackinghouse.org and you'll find our programs are archived there for you. We can also send you a CD copy if that's preferred. Here's where to reach us, 844-77-GRACE. Again, that's 844-77-GRACE. Our prayer is that you'll grow in grace through this study of Hebrews. And if a question comes to mind, or you're in need of prayer, 
or would just like to express something that's on your heart, please do email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. Again, packinghouseradio at aol.com. Today, we'd like to offer you an inspirational book from Elizabeth Elliot called Through Gates of Splendor. This classic bestseller recalls the story of five missionaries who dared to share the good news with a Stone Age tribe deep in the jungles of Ecuador. And while they were martyred for their faith in Jesus, their story lives on, inspiring thousands to follow in their courageous footsteps. Through Gates of Splendor, our featured resource is available for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. You can give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And thank you for helping us get out the good news of Jesus to a world in need. Pastor Ed Ray writes a daily devotional that you can access through our website. You can read these biblical and relevant devotionals at thepackinghouse.org. And look for us on His Channel TV, where we're studying Colossians right now. Our series in Hebrews continues next time we meet, and we hope you can join us for that. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a daily presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship. Zion, now build with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world.